Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. Welcome to a brand new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and today we're going to be discussing about Recess in honor of its 20th anniversary, and we have a whole bunch of awesome guests. So joining us um, uh, from a few years ago, we have back Paul and Joe, the creators of Recess. Welcome back, guys. Hey. And uh, we have a whole bunch of new guests coming in. So first introduce some of the writers of um, Recess. We have uh, with us, we have Bart Janet. Welcome, Bart. Thanks for having me. Uh, we have uh, one of the co-creators of All Real Monsters and who also wrote a few episodes of Recess. We have Peter Gaffney. Welcome, Peter. Hi. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, we have the music composer for Recess. Uh, we have Dennis uh, M. Hannigan. Welcome, Dennis. Hello, everybody. And uh, last but certainly not least, we have uh, one of the voice actors from Recess. He was the voice of Gus Griswold. We have Cortland Mead. Welcome, Cortland. Hey, thanks, Patricia. <laughs> So yeah, I guess. Hey, Cortland. <laughs> the best speeches. The best speeches. It's been a while. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we can get started uh, with discussing. You know, let's go way back into the beginning. So, uh, Paul, Joe. Um, so, where did the process of um, Risa started? With you working previously on Nickelodeon with Rugrats, and then eventually going over to the Disney Channel. Well, Joe and I, had, after after we had, and, and by the way, Peter Gaffney also worked extensively on on Rugrats. Uh, after and, we and Dennis, Dennis Hannigan too. Finished, <laughs> after we had finished with uh, with with Rugrats, we all went in kind of different directions, and Joe and I, over a couple of years there, became partners. Joe was working on uh, Hey Arnold, and he wanted to tell a story about kids that was a little more, uh, you know, r- rather than the romantic side of it. He wanted to show what was it, what it really felt like to him and to me to be fourth graders in school. What that experience was really like, and we came up with the idea that that uh, that it would be cool to do a show about the part of of school that we all really remembered. You know, what, what did we really remember from fourth grade? And we realized that all the good times were, all the stories that we all had were what happened on the playground at recess. And that's how we came up with the idea. And uh, how, about your, yeah. how about your side, Joe? Uh, no, that's pretty much what happened. I mean, Paul and I, you know, Paul, you know, like, like he said, I was working on Arnold and it's like, you know, you're kind of going round and round thinking of all these different stories. And sometimes I would say, this, this is not what fourth graders act like. And one night I was asleep and I, you know, I just kind of woke up and I thought, you know, the recess gang. And I, and I got up and I drew a little picture, which, by the way, I'm a terrible artist, but it's a little like it was a little sketch. And I called Paul the next morning and I said, I have an idea. What if it's the recess gang? And Paul said, why do you have gang in the title? Just one word, recess. And I thought, that's pretty cool. And then Paul had the idea that it would be like, like almost like have a military theme to it, so that it would be like stamped like MASH or something, so that it had, and that gave it that additional feeling of being like, um, you know, like the adults are keeping you down, like it's a prisoner of war camp or something. And then that just sparked all these different stories and things, and what we did right away was we started, once we pitched this to Disney and they really liked it, we started calling all our writer buddies um, you know, men and women and anybody, and, and also talking to kids too, but just saying, what are your stories of childhood in school? And what we realized kind of really quickly, which was great about the whole recess idea was that most of your story ideas were things like, 
that happened on the playground, you know, or happened after school or right before school. There were very few stories that were coming out that were like when I was in class, I remember learning math this one day, you know, it's like that usually it was more like, <laughs> you know, we snuck in the window or something like that, or somebody kicked the ball into the dumpster or something like that. So we started calling guys like Peter and Holly and, and Bart later and Mark and, and just saying, tell us stories of your childhood. And that's what sort of sparked all of these things, you know, so that kind of kicked it to Bart and Mark. I mean, uh, Mark and Peter were on the phone, too. I guess we can start off with the writers. So, um, Bart, um, how did you uh, first find out about, you know, Paul and Joe's work and going into recess? I had been working at late night television for quite a while. Um, this is the late 90s, like 97 or 98. And I knew the job. The show that I was on at that time was the Magic Hour. I don't know if you remember Magic Johnson actually had a talk show for like five minutes. Yeah, I know what um, that is. It's, oh, my God, it's something. <laughs> yeah, well, the writing the writing was so on the wall the whole time that that show was not going to last. I started looking around for jobs, and it just so happened a guy that I'd worked with on a previous show um, by the name of Phil Walsh was story editing Recess. And I had, I never even thought of working in cartoons at that point in my career, but I called up Phil. He says, why don't you come over and pitch us some ideas and, and uh, see if anything sticks? So I came over and I pitched a couple of um, pitched a couple of episode ideas got one picked up i think and was invited back to do some punch up and within a strangely short amount of time i was i was hired as a story editor on recess i mean i really owe these two guys john paul for my career in animation it's kind of blossomed ever since that sounds great so uh peter what about from you know you going over from um all real monsters and rugrats to recess yeah, I, you know, I don't remember. Um, but I got to say, I owe Paul Germain my career in animation, too, because when on uh, on Rugrats, the the day I arrived in L.A., Paul Germain, who I've never heard of, calls me up on the phone and tells me he's doing this show about babies. And I who are you? You know, and, and I think John Payson at MTV had given him my name. And that was the whole beginning of my, you know, career in 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 kids shows and it's it's uh it's such an such an amazing piece of synchronicity it's it's hard to believe and it's you know i'm i'm really glad that we're we're still friends you know a quarter century later it's uh it's amazing but you know in terms of recess i don't remember what happened i i don't remember how i got involved in it because i had been doing some some other things for a little while at least and i wasn't working on all real monsters and um I, I don't even know. Do you, do you guys remember how you brought me in? You must have just called me up and said, hey, yeah. you want to work something? I recall, we just sort of called you <laughs> up, right, Paul? I mean, I think we just said, hey, let's get, let's get Peter. Let's get, you know, Rachel Lipman was another one. You know, we brought her in around that time, too. And just said, come on over and help us. And you worked on the first season with us. And then I, I don't remember, did um, you work, did you work on that um, the, the Nightmare Ned show? No, what what happened was um, I don't know when was Nightmare Ned before or after it, it must have been before. It, it, it well, before I, I think it's kind of happening because, right before. And in fact, Cortland, who's also on the phone, was Nightmare Ned, weren't you, Cortland? Yeah, yeah, I played uh, Ned Needlemeyer. <laughs> <laughs> also, I also got to the video game, um, the PC video game, a long time ago. So that's I think yeah. that's my first project I got to work on with. Um, Paul and Joe, and then just ended up, I, uh, I think, yeah. working on Lloyd in Space as well. So Lloyd in Space was, was quite a bit later, but uh, we—I don't think Joe and I worked on on uh, Nightmare Net. I, I we may have no. gotten heard your name mentioned or something, and and maybe that's when we. It might have been Oscar Atlas. Uh, you know, it was so long ago. <laughs> Thinking about, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but Peter, like Peter whole, was working on Nightmare Net. Because what happened is when Jerry Laybourne and Barry Blumberg and all those guys decided they were the execs at Disney and they decided they wanted, as you know, a bunch of, net, you know, at that point, um, Nickelodeon had like exploded on the scene doing all this really different, interesting kind of animation. And Disney was thinking, we want to do that. And so they were reaching out to people like us who had been doing stuff like Rugrats and Hey Arnold and stuff, and they said, and All Real Monsters, and said, come on over and work over here. And so Peter was working at Disney right when we were about to start Recess. So it was the perfect thing because we, you know, we'd work with him on Rugrats. So it was that was an easy 
you know, thing to come on over and sort of like, if you got some time, come on over. And then I can't remember exactly whether Nightmare Ned was still on when recess was starting or what, but it was all around I, I that thing. So. I don't think so. And then Peter, I don't think you worked brief, on it past the first brief, season, brief, as I recall. You went on to something life. else, right? You know, just to be clear, though, I, I've never really had bad experiences with Disney. I know lots of people have, but, you know, most of the stuff I've done with them it has, has been really nice, you know? I mean, not, not that the product was necessarily good or bad, but just the, the experience was always good. Well, keep trying. You'll find yeah. Keep doing it, Peter. You'll have some bad experiences. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you guys are coming. So, so uh, anyway, they, so I they guess we can. You very well, let's put it that way. Yeah. So, Dennis, um, how did you come into Recess after working on Rugrats? That was through Paul. I'm pretty sure Paul put the word in and called me, and the it was a process. We went through a process, and then I came onto the show. It was great. It, it was kind of for me a growth from Rugrats, the storytelling, my favorite parts of Rugrats were the the early, I worked on the first 150 or something episodes, 100 something episodes, and those were the episodes that these guys worked on. So it was an extension for me, a continuation, and quite fun and quite, uh, and you know, eventful because the stories were great and it was just i kind of think it was an extension of it do you think that paul or or not yeah um, well, the, the story for me was that that uh when we did rugrats we we hired um uh Mark, Mark Mother's Mother's to, to do the uh to do the the, the music, music. The and what i didn't know at first it took me a couple of years to figure this out is that is that Dennis was very instrumental. I didn't even know Dennis. I'd never met him. And, but he was instrumental in putting the, the music together kind of behind the scenes. And no, then, Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh made me leave, go to the other room when you came over. <laughs> he locked and, you in the basement. Right. Yeah, it was like, oh, Paul's coming over. Go to the other room. Yeah, but, eventually, like um, but eventually, Dennis and I met at, toward the end of, of Rugrats, and we became kind of good friends. And uh, and it became clear to me what Dennis had done on Rugrats and how much of, of what I was happy with about the music on Rugrats was Dennis. And then when I when it was time to do Recess, I wanted to get Dennis back on uh, to, do, to do my new show. Um, and it was a little bit of a fight because Disney had a funny way of doing music, kind of an old-fashioned way of putting music together that was not using... What do you want to call it? Uh, uh, an emulator uh, uh, using an electronic keyboard to produce the music. Uh, well, it was the way Disney liked to work was because of orchestras, the cost of orchestras. Uh, actually, it costs a lot more to do it their way, no matter how you looked at it. They wanted to do uh, shows by recording a bunch of music in advance and then cutting in the music for the show. And Paul and Joe wanted the music to be written for each episode uniquely originally at that moment and the, the best way to do it is with uh which is the way everybody works now is that i was very heavy into it back then is with a computer and a lot of synthesizers and samplers and you could create a whole score without having a whole orchestra in the room it's a lot more work but you can figure out how to do it and that's well it was somewhat groundbreaking with disney they um they they weren't comfortable working that way but then it was it saved money actually in the long run and got Paul and Joe got the storytelling that they liked and um, there was a process as well with with uh, the management there there was some at Disney they it was like a, a shift in the way they like to work and it was actually quite good it's the way they work now pretty much you know so they're it's a different world and those guys were wanted to do continue working the way they worked with Nickelodeon and. Uh, actually got their way. It was good, you know. Yeah, and uh, f finally, last but not I mean, least, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was going to say, you know what? It's a, that's an interesting point. What you're saying too, Dennis, because I think you know, I'm fairly certain that Re Recess was one of the last shows that was doing a lot of stuff by hand, including music. You know, I mean, everybody was yeah. moving over to just purely, you know, sampling music and 
and doing things like, uh, you know, everything on the computer. And then the, the flash was going to come in. All these new animation techniques were going to come in. And we, at the beginning of the show, we were still drawing on cells, you know. It was, it was still being painted in, in Asia, you know. And even things like having, at the beginning, you know, you know, it was all timing and it was traditional, you know. And then, uh, and, and including music, and also the way Paul records voices. You know, he was coming from, um, you know, from from Gracie, uh, from you know Jim Jim Brooks's period, you know, era. And so he was always trying to put people together in the booth. You know, if you go now to, um, well, Cortland can talk about this. You know, the way most voice acting is done is one guy gets in the booth and runs through all his lines real quick, and then does it two or three times, and then they cut it together. But Paul was really into always trying to get people like getting two actors in or reading with the actor in the booth if the other actor wasn't able to be there so that you have a performance, you know, you're trying to create a performance. And, it, and by the end of the show, by the time we got to be making the movie and stuff, things were becoming digital, for example, like everything was, you know, things like everything was getting drawn on, on, on the computer and stuff like that. And so it was interesting because a lot of technology was changing as that show was happening, I feel like, you know? Right. At the end of the show, the images were, as I recall, we were still drawing, you know, the way that they that they did animation traditionally, well, by the 1970s, say, they were drawing on paper, and then they would Xerox that onto a, a, a cell, and then they would paint the cell by hand. And that's what we were doing when we started Recess. By the end of Recess, we were s still drawing on paper, but instead of Xeroxing it onto a cell, they'd scan it into a computer and paint the images digitally. Um, okay. So that was, and now they don't even draw on paper at all. They're just drawing right onto a device, you know, some kind of a a, a, a tablet, and then that goes into the computer. Everything, so that it's never there's never the analog moment where it, like something exists on a cell or a piece of paper or anything. And I and you know what? So I in many distinctly... in many ways, I feel like recess was still sort of a it had a feeling of being really handcrafted and personal, and yeah. we tried to let that happen as much as we could in every department. I mean, it's it's too bad you weren't able to get like Chuck Sheets or or Howie Parkins or some of the artists in you know or Eric you know Eric Keys because those guys could tell you from their perspective what it was to to draw the show and and. I'm, those guys are all still working in TV animation, and they can tell you, you know, it's not the same. They don't do that kind of hand-created um, stuff quite the same way. Paul said they draw it onto the computer, but it just sort of changes things. And I feel like the music, what Dennis was saying, was sort of similar. I mean, a lot of the things were being done on the computer. I'm not saying that. But you had this feeling like when, we, when a scene was approached... Dennis was actually looking at it and saying, okay, and Dennis and Paul, and Paul, Dennis would take a run and say, I think this should have strings, and it should come in here, and it should be like that. And they would do like a scene at a time, and they would say, yeah, that's good, or let's have a parody of this kind of song here, or whatever. But the way music was even being done then was just library, computerized library of, you know, we recorded all this music, and now we're going to use this from here, and this from here, and just kind of doing, you know, and... And I think that's the same, you know, Cortland can talk about the acting. I mean, we really tried to have the, you know, then we also had real kids playing the parts. You know, Cortland, how, I don't even know how old you were when you played Gus. How old were you? Gosh, um, this was, what, 90, 97? And I got brought on, yeah. actually, a little bit later. I was um, a, a late cast, um, and I was working, I, I think, on, uh, I think it was also Nightmare Ned, Oscars Atlas, so I had to be about, you know, seven or eight um you know when when i started this so i mean was, i was fairly young was it your real voice was it your real yeah. voice like or were you acting like uh no no that was that was me <laughs> that oh, was, my god. oh my god i can, I can confirm <laughs> that that was part of through uh, occasionally somebody will hear me and be like mm, it kind of sounds familiar <laughs> my uh <laughs> nasally um so yeah i mean like joe was saying the honestly my favorite part about it was just Working with everyone on this on this project was was the best, and and actually being in the booth with other actors, um, and you can kind of feed off them a little bit. So Say how that, did you, you learn know, about? Me and Joe sat in a booth. <laughs> you know, me, Paul, Joe sat in a booth, and we we, we went over my lines, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, louder, stronger, bigger. You know, bring it down a little bit. You know, um, always switching it up, but. Um, it, it was really, really uh, just a fun, enjoyable experience. Um, one of the highlights of, of my childhood, for sure. 
So I, I want to ask you, Cortland, so you were brought in a little bit later um, to the cast compared to the others. Now, were you auditioning just for Gus or did you audition for other characters? You know what? I, I don't remember exactly. Um, and I actually I talked to my mom about this. I was like, well, listen, did I, did I audition for it? Um, and if I remember correctly, I think I was just brought on. I, I, I was working on a couple different projects, um, uh, one of them being Nightmare Ned. And then Oscar's Atlas, and I think um, uh, I just started because Gus actually comes in a little bit later. He's he's the new guy. Um, so so I think I can speak to that a little bit. So so, but you did audition, Cortland. I don't know if you remember, right, but right. I yeah yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm but, sure. But, you know, it's, it's been twenty years, so I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I can tell you the story. See, originally we had always considered that the cast would be six characters. But in the very first episode, in the pilot episode we did, which was called The Break-In, that first episode didn't have Guts. He wasn't in the episode. And we we recorded that and made an animatic and tested it with kids before the show was picked up. So so the character Gus wasn't in the original cast, right? So then later on, we knew we were going to have this character, but we brought him in on the second the second 11-minute episode of the first show. Does that make sense? So there were two 11-minute episodes. He came in in the second one. and But that was recorded way, way after the first episode. So that's why he was a new cast member. Okay. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Thank you. Better memory for me. So, yeah, uh, I, I'd love to know from all of you guys. So... Um, what were your favorite episodes of the show, either that you guys were writing or that you guys can recall on, like, working behind the scenes? So, yeah, um, Paul, Joe, I'd love to know from you guys, what were your favorite episodes of the show? It, well, I, oh, Joe, man, that's, that's can I tell this one? I mean, in the first season, there were quite a few that I really loved. It just got, just, I don't know why, because they're, they're early on and they're, they're close to you, I suppose, you know, until things kick in. But then... Later, the show got really started kicking, you know, really started hitting its its uh, its pace, and a lot of other people started writing shows. So, and and they are amazing. Like one of my favorite ones. Well, Bart did one, for example, where I, didn't you do the one about the uh, having your picture taken at school, and is he going to keep his clothes clean? You know, and it's like a war movie. Will he make it to you know through recess to get his clothes clean? Wasn't that one of yours, Bart? Yeah, it's called And One Stayed Clean. It was originally a freelancer's episode, and they turned in their draft, and I was like, well, what if we do this with it instead? So I kind of totally rewrote it. It was one of my first scripts on the show, and it actually, to this day, stands out in my mind as one of my personal favorites of the ones that I wrote. Although I have a couple others from the show that I really like um, that I look at and I think, like, well, I never could have written that. Those are the things that I tend to appreciate the most. Like um, economics of recess, I, I love that because it's so sophisticated yet so accessible at the same time. It's it's a great show. It's where the the show there's like there's like a sticker economy um, on the playground. You can't use the swings without a certain number of mom stickers. I think they were called. And TJ gets sucked into this like immigrant's journey where he becomes uh, he like craftily works his way up the ladder of society and becomes this big. Uh, like um, sticker mobile on campus till everybody hates him and then the economy crashes um, I thought that was, so, that was a really clever episode and I just watched that and I'm like wow, who, I don't even know who wrote that one it, it might have been Bill or it might have been a combination of people um, you know, one of the things that's great about the show is that there are so many episodes and they were all so different and they all took the show in different directions and kind of it, it, it felt like a complete world because, in fact, it was the reflection of, of a whole bunch of different writers, each one kind of taking the show in a direction he wanted to go. So Joe right. would, would, would kind which of see how, to it that they all felt how we like they all had it a common very voice. Beginning, cause you could, anybody, like, for example, I know um, we had Holly Huckins, who isn't, we couldn't get her on the call today, but, like, she really ran with certain things about um, what it was to be a girl, you know, on the playground. Because most of us were boys, you know, we were writing this kind of, like, we wanted a show that would be both boys and girls, and she did one called First Name Ashley about um, yeah, about how the yeah, about how the girl the you know the, the toughest girl turns out to have the name Ashley, which makes her part of the like the mean girls, 
And it's like, yeah, you know, girls, we right. did Mean Girls long before Mean Girls, you know, it, and yep. it was, it yeah. is, it's a cool episode. Or there's another episode I love um, uh, called The Voice, where, you know, Mikey sings with the voice of Pavarotti, which is a really fun, funny episode. And there were, you know, there's just, there's one called The Box that I love, where, um, oh, yeah. you know, which That's is cool. about a, a playground box, you know, or a, a punishment that's created. And that one, that, with this, we, we, what happened was we interviewed some kids, and these kids told us, yeah, on our playground, when you get in trouble, they throw you in a box. And we were like, what? You know, we thought it was like Cool Hand Luke or something. You know, they threw him in a box and like, it locked like, it up and let the heat, like, burn him. The and, and these kids were like, yeah, yeah, that's what they really do. And we are like, oh, my God. And then as we were talking to them, we realized, no, it's just a painted square on the ground. And we thought, oh, my God, these kids act like it's this prison movie. We thought, let's play it like a prison movie, you know? And so we did that one. That's one of my favorites. And I know Paul's, one of Paul's favorites is The Experiment, where the where where Spinelli and uh, PJ kiss for the first time, and that's a great. There's just a lot of different ones, and then that, there, were, and like later there was one that was a. Um, uh, there was one that I loved. That the other thing that started happening is we started being able to do real parodies. Like there was one that was a a kickball episode where uh, what do you call it? Dodgeball City, which we did like a western with with Corbin as you know with, with Gus as the guy who was the great gunfighter you know and that's a that's a fantastic one too there's just a bunch of them there's a whole bunch of great episodes and people could just run off in different directions and really have fun with it and it still felt like the show because it was a big world of characters you know okay i i have one i remembered and i think joe wrote it maybe paul and joe did it's uh gus is father there there's a speech about the war What's it? Do you know what oh, I'm talking about? You're talking about the bully episode. That's a Joe special. Yeah. That was a really good yeah, one. No, but that and, speech and that's was the awesome. The other thing that I was going to say, too, is like, you know, I, I remember writing that speech, but that wasn't my episode. I think what happened a lot in that show, which I really loved, is we had a great writing room. And so you would have, you know, people would come in and they would write, like, I feel bad. Bart feels like we rewrote his script that much. But. Usually what was happening is you would get a, you would have an idea, we'd all work it out together, then somebody would go off and write it, and then it would come back, and then we'd all be giving notes and re- changing it. And especially if you were a freelancer, you felt like I wasn't involved in the mix. But usually, if you were a staff writer, you got to be, you know, you kind of had your hands on a lot of different scripts, and um, you got to be part, I felt like it was a good team, you know, where everybody kind of worked together to make the shows better. And I think also that followed through all the way through the visuals and everything. I mean, I feel like those, I I remember walking over and, you know, through the area where all the um, storyboard artists were, and they always just felt like it was a real team feeling, a real family feeling. It was a great show to work on that way, you know? It it achieved a new level of excellence by that teamwork. But I I remember, like, that, that episode was an example of a father and a son relationship. And you had Spinelli and her parents and... Really, the, yeah. you as writers, you guys delved into it, it wasn't it wasn't typical animation fair, and it was it stands on its own still because of that. Great stories, you know. And then there were episodes like Bart's talking about that were sort of intellectual. I, I mean, I felt like we had genres, you know. The the one that you're talking about, uh, Bart, the economics of recent actually was written by Rick Gittleson, um, who was another guy. We you know is just a freelance guy, but then we rewrote it in the room, but. Um, that was a great episode, and then, but it was kind of like an intellectual, sort of philosophical episode. I felt like um, there was another one called um, "The Story of Womps," which was about the kids making up a word, you know, that instead of a curse word, since they got in trouble for cursing, so they made up a word, you know, all these kind of, and, and it became this thing where they end up going to, you know, to the city, you know, the mayor ends up coming in, it's like this is not right. It becomes like a court case over the word, and it becomes this whole sort of saying something, Paul. What, what, what were you going to say, Bob? Well, what I was going to tell is there's a funny story, and Bart probably knows more about this than I do, because I remember it was happening at the same time I was working on the movie, so I wasn't that involved with the episode, but what had happened was the writers together, 
had come up with this idea that that when TJ gets mad, he can say that wops, you know, and and it was a fictitious curse word. It was a curse word we made up, right? And we used it for a few episodes, and then all of a sudden we started getting notes from Disney. You can't use the word wops because it sounds like it represents the word sucks, and you can't say sucks. And I said, but we're not saying sucks. We're saying this other word. And they said, well, you've got to stop. You got to stop doing that. We had this big argument, and the story of wops that episode comes out of that argument. Isn't that right, Bart? Isn't that how it went? Yeah, that's true. Mark, I think Mark Drop came up with the word wants to start with. Um, and then I guess yeah, I would, uh, I, I, after you know they what, actually I did the episode, the S&P like, person like, attached to the show who originally had the objection. Disney overall, ABC were happy with it. And I think Barry Blumberg at one point wanted to use the word as part of one's one Saturday morning's um, signature saying, like Womps. It was going to be like Womps Saturday morning or something. We're like, dude, that's not, like Womps basically means sucks. It means it really sucks. But it was being used as some like cool catchphrase that meant anything like neat or cool. It was a bizarre, bizarre turnabout from the way that thing started off. (laughs) This shows you how things can go in the wild world of children's television. <laughs> How about you, Cortland? <laughs> what were your favorite episodes of the show, whether it be like with Gus or just in general? Well, you know what? I still get people that, you know, if, 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 if they understand that I was in recess and whatnot, um, they'll always, you know, tell me about. Uh, I, I always feel like it's one episode in particular. It was uh, when, when Gus, when they find out that Gus was this, this you know, uh, dodgeball champion. Uh, and he goes by the name of uh, El Diablo, um, but he he had this um, this issue to where is I and you guys might have to correct me if I'm wrong, but he, I, I think he hits somebody with a ball, you know, a kid or something yeah. like that, and he's too scared to come to the playground, so he swears it off, right? Um, that was you know I still have people that come up to me they're like hey El Diablo, you know, um, that's, so, that's great, that's, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> Um, I don't know if you remember this one, but when Mr. Prickly turns into, um, gosh, I think it's like a hypnotist or somebody turns Principal oh, Prickly yeah. into like a kid. Yeah, uh, hypnotizes him. Always one of my favorites because you know you you, you have this character, um, you know, is authoritative yeah. character, and uh, you know you, you get to kind of uh, you know see him on this on this different level with uh, with the kids. So. Um, there were so many episodes. I feel like we did, you know, a million. <laughs> so, you know, even Womps, too, just like you were saying. Um, when, when TJ's, you know, trademark, you know, dirty word, I think we were even saying it in the studio. You know, if we had, <laughs> oh, I don't get to work with so-and-so, that Womps, you know. <laughs> what about the word tender? Where did that come from? That's a Walshism, isn't it? Yeah, that's a Phil Walsh so. special. Um <laughs> Yeah, and you like to put it in a lot of scripts. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the I think too, you know, we always have this, this this desire. I think anybody who's writing on a TV show or in a movie or anything, they're trying to like create uh, a language for each character, so that when you're reading it, and for and also for the actor, so you don't go, well, that could be anybody's line, you know. And so you're looking for words that like that you can attach to the different characters. And tender was something I think Phil Walsh said at some point. I think that's a word he liked to use. And Paul immediately was like, that's it. You know, Paul has a good ear for this kind of stuff. So he goes, that's it. That's TJ's word, you know. And so they just all started saying it, you know. <laughs> right, Paul? Isn't that pretty close? Yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. Paul, yeah, Paul to this know, day goes around saying tender. Paul does. They do all these funny renditions. <laughs> and it became like a thing, you know. And, and like... You, I feel yeah. like the words. I feel like the word salsa was tried out with a little bit less success. Well, I think there was a there was an episode. There was an episode of um, where uh, they get a substitute teacher who used to be a member of Third Street School and used to say supple. And they tried like maybe once or twice, but it didn't really stick compared to the others. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And that was actually um, thinking of that one was the one with with Joey Lawrence in it. Is that the right one? I think it may be. Yeah, like he was the substitute teacher, and he was yeah, supposed to and, be like the the goofy guy. And that guy. was an interesting one because Andy Lawrence, his brother, was playing TJ, and 
uh, Joey Lawrence, you know, who was a pretty big, you know, TV star at that point, wanted to be in the show. And his mom, his mom would bring Andy. And so can't you think of something for him? And so one day we said we were trying somebody, I think Phil, maybe or somebody said, hey, I want to do a substitute teacher thing. And we thought, you know, what if it wouldn't that be interesting to have like this cool guy who was like TJ and he's played by TJ's older brother and there's a relationship. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm getting it mixed no, up. No, you're right because there were two episodes involving a substitute teacher. One is with Mr. E who was like this mysterious guy when Miss Right, was right, right, right. And then the other one was when the substitute teacher was a cool teacher and everybody liked him and then Miss Finster and Principal Prickly were like, no, you can't act like this. You can't act cool. We don't want you right, to be a substitute right. teacher anymore. So yeah. But that was, I think, the one that was played by um, by Joey's. And that was actually kind of a sweet session to go to because, you know, here's this kid acting with his older brother who he really does look up to, and it was kind of nice, you know. Um, and again, you know, the other thing that was kind of interesting, and I don't know if you remember this, Cortland, was, you know, when we first started the show, and Paul can talk about this more. Paul, again, Paul's coming out of, you know, working at Brooks and all that kind of stuff. That's how he's thinking of actors. And so he was always thinking of putting everybody in the booth together. And I think you were there for this, Cortland. There, there, we actually had some photographs of this where there were some early sessions where we would try to get, like, all the kids in the booth at once. And Everybody. <laughs> and the sessions people were like, what the hell are you doing? And we would say, go ahead. Let's get a good t- take where nobody's talking over each other. And then let's just do one where they just, just talk, you know, just do it. And there were some great scenes that way at the very beginning. But, you know, it's not realistic to do it that way every time, but it was fun to get all the actors kind of knowing each other and working together. And it was, and um, the people at the, at the, I remember at um, at the sound uh, stage were just like taking pictures because they'd never seen anything like it before. <laughs> do you remember that, Paul? Paul, do you remember that? Sure do. Yeah, it was, it was, it, I, I really thought that it brought the, the team of actors together. So, it, you know, we kind of thought of the whole show as like to the extent that we could, like a big team, you know, like a family or a team. And it really, it helped do that with the actors. And we did a lot of sessions that way. It gets a little difficult later on because of people's schedules, getting everybody at the same place at the same time is kind of tricky. We do it when we could. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember a lot of times to where is, you know, we would have, you know, six or seven actors within the recording studio at one time. And that's just fun being, being an actor and, and, and you're already in this, you know, world to where is you're not worried about the locking or you're not worried about your camera. You're not even really worried about your lines because you're, you're essentially just reading it off a script. But at the same time, you can project yourself a little bit more. You, you can, you can, you can make it as big or as, as small as you want. Um, and it was always fun to just kind of feed off your fellow actors because generally you don't really get a chance to do that. Um, so I had a great time. Um, me, myself, Andy, you know, uh, Ricky, Ashley, um, very, very fond memories of just hanging out in the booth. <laughs> and one actual grown up in that, in that group. <laughs> Anne Adlon, who played, who, who played uh, uh, Spinelli. She was the actual, the only real adult in the group. So it was kind of fun. And one adult. Yeah, <laughs> the kid playing TJ would just turn into an adult, and all of a sudden he'd walk in and he'd go, "All right," and I go, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would always say, "Paul, just you know, just use that dial, just dial up the you know." You yeah, know, it doesn't work that way. way. It's, we have the pitch. Dial up the pitch. You, know, like, you can't do it that change, way. So. But then the problem was <laughs> that everybody really became their parts and it was very hard to recast anybody anyway you didn't want to but also yeah you just couldn't do anything about it and so like i think with ricky didn't we do an episode where his voice changed or something like that did we do that yeah, with ricky's ricky? voice started to remember. change toward the end of the of the series and it got very deep and i think he yeah. actually manipulated his own voice up to to try to make it work right. and then we have probably goosed it a little digitally and we were okay with it but i don't think it would have gone on for for another you know, I don't think we could have done a whole season that way. It was fortunately it happened toward the end of the last season that we did. I yeah. think that's right. Doesn't that sound right? Yeah, probably because I remember in the first season, TJ was voiced by somebody else, and then later on you got Andy, and then you know uh, I think you got somebody else, but that was probably like much later on. But yeah, um, I do recall that, you know, we even talked about this a few years ago when you guys were on my podcast that 
one of the most difficult things about having kid actors was that you had to constantly change the you know the voices especially for the men because you know they went yeah. through puberty and they you know they came with their deep voice and stuff like that craig was also going through the same thing where he had to replace his you know like arnold was replaced five times and yeah. i think like i don't remember it's like, always a problem it's it's it, you're right it's not that big of a problem with girls their voices don't change as drastically but with boys it's a nightmare harlan was so little when we started that I think we, we didn't have that problem. And by the time we did uh, uh, Lloyd in Space, which was supposed to be about a 13-year-old, I think, Cortland, you were about that age. So I, it all I was about that age. I really well, did. Um, that, that, was, that was another great project I had a lot of fun on. Um, and just working with, obviously, just the same, you know, it was easy. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember, I, I specifically remember, um, you know, certain times where my mom was like, oh, listen, your, your voice is starting to change. Maybe you should put that up just a little bit, a little bit more nasally, you know? Uh, it's not but, nice to fall Mother Nature, Corlin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to. I always look to you guys. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I, I, I know that we're, I know that we're, you know, like way past our time and I'm very sorry. We had technical issues early to, when we were doing the podcast. So let's, I guess we can start wrapping things up really quickly. So, um, let's see if I can think of anything else. So, yeah, I guess, um, one thing that I wanted to discuss about was looking back on recess as a whole, like, you know, as of the, as of, uh, the day that I'm going to be posting this, the show will be 20 years old, and I'm sure for a lot of you guys, whether you go out to, like, panels or whether you go over to, like, um, seminars for speaking to up-and-coming, you know, um, writers and, um, you know, people who want to work in the TV or animation industry, they always talk about, like, Recess was my childhood. I, I was heavily influenced by that. So, yeah, I'd like to know, in your opinion, like, what do you think, looking back on it as a whole? So, yeah, Paul and Joe, I'd love to know from you guys. I don't know, Paul. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, the thing I think about Recess when I look back on it is, of all the shows that Joe and I have done, and we've done a few, um, the Recess was kind of notable because it was, it, it, when we look back on it, we've said to each other even recently, it was exactly what we wanted it to be. You know? It never, there was never a moment where we felt like, oh, the executives didn't let us do this or that, or or that, that it, the artwork didn't, you know, wasn't right, or any of those things that can happen. It felt like exactly the show we wanted it to be. Yeah, that's, that's well said, Paul. So you guys had a good childhood. We all had good childhoods. But, you know, and, and then the other thing about it, too, is you know, it is the 20th anniversary, and we, we, uh, all the, as everyone knows, in this, on this phone call, we're going to have a little you know, get-together with the crew and the cast and everything. And, you know, it was, I also have such fondness for the people. It was a, a very easy group to work with. It was a fun group to work with. I think I work with a lot of these people to this day. Like, you know, Bart and I just worked on a show together, and I just feel like they're my they're my great friends because I think we had a really good time on the show and we kind of mind melded on it. And I kind of, and I miss that. And that doesn't happen very often. I don't feel, you know? Um, so there's that also that, that additional fondness I feel for the show. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same. I mean, like I said, this is, this is my first job. Actually my first job in scripted television, really before that I was running jokes and yeah, I was writing sketches, but it wasn't really story and it wasn't really character. And I just kind of fell into this accidentally, but it, I felt I fell into it really comfortably as well. These guys welcomed me with open arms and it was a fantastic place to um, cut my teeth, not just on writing, but also on production because they encouraged me to get involved in that. It felt, it felt like Joe says, it felt like family almost and yeah we had a lot of arguments but there are always healthy arguments about making the show as good as it could be um and in right. the years since then uh yeah the landscape has changed branding has become really important for the networks to to help um, you know create the local viewership niches and so it's harder and harder for an original and individualized voice like what joe and paul came up with to really to really find a home so i have, I have really really deep feelings of nostalgia about that show it's probably the, the my most my favorite experience in television well you know it's so rare that you have the opportunity to work in such a collaborative 
um, environment. Because, you know, most shows that I've worked on, it's been like me in a room by myself. You know, I mean, they just don't have this, like, you know, large writing staff and, and, and just that whole collaborative environment. And I think, you know, working on both Rugrats and Recess, I really got spoiled for, you know, for, yeah. you know, what it, what a show could be. And I think the reason both of those shows are so good is because it was so collaborative and it wasn't, it never felt rushed. I mean, we had, obviously we were pressed for time at times, but we always, you know, but, but the doing the best, show we could do was always the primary objective and um yeah you don't get that very often well the other thing is i think that nowadays what i'm seeing in in animation is there's where the the executives run things instead of the producers so it's kind of run by the the studio slash network nowadays they're kind of the same thing um and they they tell you exactly what they want and if you don't give it to them they either force you to change it to what they want or they fire you and get somebody who will do it and the days of where you know where creators and producers and writers and and directors and and you know the the i you know i hesitate to use the word but the artists themselves get to make the show they want to make is kind of ended um maybe it it, it may be there in live action but it's not it's hard to find it in animation these days right how about you, Dennis? How is it? Um, how is it different? You know, when it comes to being as a as a composer for like TV and other projects, how um, how do you look back on your work in Recess as a whole? Well, it was it was uh, it was a, a lot of fun because the stories were so great. But I was doing some other shows too that were pretty wacky, and um, I always felt uh, Recess was my deeper work, my more serious, fun, like real life work and the stories were great and i had a an interesting childhood in sacramento and joe and i later found out that you know we we lived in the same town and and some of the stories reminded me of my childhood and i think it resonated a lot with me i was in post-production so i didn't see all these guys you know i saw them once in a while but the the work was so um clear the stories were clear it was always I always knew what to do, and that's the rare treat. You know, it was a great team effort. I believe. I think these guys nailed it. You know, right? How about you, Cortland? Uh, you know, you as an actor and you as somebody who genuinely loved the show as much as a person who would watch it on TV. Like, how do you feel about it as a whole? Well, me being a kid as well. I mean, I watched the show um, with my little sisters on the one Saturday morning, and that was you know before Pokemon. So I got to you know. <laughs> do both both the series I wanted to see, but it was cool. I mean, I, I have very very fond memories of you know working directly with the studio, uh, you know, at the studio, um, and then working with Paul and Joe. They've just been great. Um, I, I, I couldn't ask for a better experience. Um, I mean, I remember just even stories with me and Andy where we had time in between recording sessions. And we had gone over to another studio location and just kind of scouted their craft service table and decided that we were going to replace some of the fruit that we had at our table <laughs> with some of the stickers <laughs> and like run it back. And um, I cool. had a relationship with you know a lot of the a lot of the the kids on uh, on the set as well. Um, the whole writing team. I mean, just everything. Everything about it was 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 a very very uh, wonderful experience and. Uh, uh, I just I had one of the one of the best times shooting because it was it was so different from most of the projects like commercials or anything like that. Going to work was fun for me, especially yes. as a kid. Yeah, I can I can imagine that. that. Joe definitely made it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I think that we can wrap things up. So listen, guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to sharing your stories and coming on by. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Our pleasure. Well, thank right. you. Thank, thank you so you, much, Patricia. So yeah, um, do you guys have anything? Thanks for to... doing it, Pat. Oh, absolutely. You know, thank you for coming. So yeah, do you guys have anything to share? Like any upcoming projects that you like guys like to talk about? Any you know, where can you guys, where can they find you at for you know to learn more information about what you're doing? So yeah, uh, Paul. The last time that we talked, you were working on a Santa Claus movie. Um, how's that coming that... along? That died a painful death. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Out of business, so we never did that project. But Joe and I have a project at Amazon. We can't tell, tell, talk about too many of the details. 
but uh, it's a really exciting live action and and with animation combination project that we're working on over there. Oh, that's fantastic! That's great. Can't wait. Um, anyway, so Bart, uh, what are you working on? Um, uh, we just wrapped the last script on a show I was story editing called Goldie and Bear. It's on Disney Junior, and um, I have a project in development at DreamWorks that I too cannot talk about because of NDA I signed. And uh, a couple of other possible irons in the fire, but uh, nothing I can really discuss. Sure, that's fine. Uh, Peter, do you have anything coming up? I'm working on a show at Amazon, uh, maybe with Bart, and um, I'm, uh, and that's pretty much about it. Sure, okay. Uh, Dennis, uh, what are you working on? Um, I haven't been doing much television, mostly advertising lately, but um, I'm uh, looking forward to see what Paul and Joe come up with. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, and Cortland, how about you? You know, I, 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 I removed myself from the industry uh, a little while ago, and I've just been kind of inching my way back. Um, I was involved in just uh, some student films, um, and I'm now out in L.A. again. So, you know, just kind of dabbling just within just smaller projects. But, um, oh, my gosh, it's so glad. I'm so happy to hear everybody. And, you know, it, it brings back fond memories, so. That's fantastic. That should be it for this episode of Casual Chats. Let us know in the comments below about your fondest memory of Recess. How did you first get introduced to it? What were your favorite episodes? What are your favorite moments? That's it, everybody. Hope to see you around soon. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Drop your silver in my tambourine. Help a poor man build a pretty dream. Give me pennies, I'll take anything. Now listen while I play my green tambourine. Watch the jingle jangle start to shine. Reflections of the music that is mine. When you toss a coin, you'll hear it sing. Now listen while I play my green a dime before I walk away Any song you want I'll gladly play Money feeds my music machine Now listen while I play My green tambourine